today's scripture is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verses 51 through 62. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for his arrival. But they did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them, and then they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. be seated. Those of you who have been to church enough to have heard a sermon or two on the parable of the Good Samaritan or have maybe studied that in Sunday school or a Bible study, you likely come here today with a working understanding of the fact that the Jews and the Samaritans did not exactly get along. Even if you did not come here with that knowledge, just hearing today's text gives us an understanding of why these two particular Jews, James and John, wanted to command a consuming fire down from heaven upon these particular Samaritans who would not welcome their teacher, Jesus, into their town. You know, we could even dig a little bit more into the larger context of today's scripture to understand more about how this idea might have come to them. You see, if you look back a few verses in chapter 9, you find the story of the transfiguration of Jesus. And in that story, we would notice that on the mountaintop, James and John, authors of the rain down fire plan, along with Peter, saw Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Then you could look back into Elijah's story and discover that Elijah had been a repeat user of the rain down fire plan himself and that God was a willing participant in his plans then. At this point you could say, well, your plan was not without precedent, so okay. Of course, if we were to look at the context for today's reading, we would also see that Jesus had been very specific very recently instructing his disciples, including James and John, that if they were not welcomed in a town, they should shake the dust off their feet 
as they left as a testimony against that place, not that they should command the wrath of God upon it. All that to say, no matter what the reasons and excuses might be, we get why Jesus did not approve this rain down fire plan, right? We don't really have to think about it much here today. We understand that this is not an appropriate response pretty quickly, pretty intuitively. I do think sometimes though, we have difficulty recognizing in this scripture our own self-righteous reactions to real or perceived affronts because we too scorch and torch our fellow brothers and sisters in a variety of ways that are less flamboyant than fire from heaven, but which can be tremendously damaging nonetheless. But that is a sermon for me to preach to myself another day. What I really want to talk about is the next section of today's text. It's just as simple to understand as the opening section. It is more readily connected mentally to our own lives. And probably because of that, it is really hard to think about because it so clearly calls us out. You see here we have three would-be disciples of Jesus trip into all of the same traps that many of us fall victim to today as we seek to be Christ followers. Eugene Peterson's The Message version of this text brings the relevance of it even more forward for us. So I'd like to use it as we talk about each of these interactions. Interaction number one says, on the road, someone asked if he could go along. I'll go with you wherever, he said. Jesus was curt. Are you ready to rough it? We're not staying in the best ends, you know. Following Jesus means we sacrifice the right to personal comfort. The message continues with interaction number two. Jesus said to another, follow me. He said, certainly, but first, excuse me for a couple of days, please. I have to make arrangements for my father's funeral. Jesus refused. First things first, your business is life, not death, and life is urgent. Announce God's kingdom. Following Jesus means that our priority is whatever is God's priority. Not our family's priorities, not our community's priorities, not our culture's priorities. Although, sometimes those will be God's priorities as well. Finally, the interaction that we see last. Then another said, I'm ready to follow you, Master. But first, excuse me while I get things straightened out at home. Jesus said, no procrastination, no backward looks. You can't put God's kingdom off till tomorrow. Seize the day. Following Jesus means that we are expected to have our face set on our Jerusalem. That is our mission, God's mission. And we are expected to move forward with purpose and urgency. This past week, Pastor Arthur, Pastor Reed, our youth director, Katie Allred, our youth delegates, Vonda Namassi, Ken Clements, Liz Walker, two of our young adults, my husband and myself, attended the North Alabama Annual Conference. 
This gathering to do the business of the United Methodist Churches that are in connection here in North Alabama was the first in-person gathering we have been able to have since 2019. We gathered in Huntsville to celebrate the work that occurs in our connected churches, despite the denominational tension that will certainly result in the breaking away of some of those churches over the next months and years. It was beautiful and bittersweet. It was challenging at moments, but it was always a reminder of how God brings his children together in wild and wonderful ways to do his work. We were reminded over and over and over again about our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And we were reminded not only about this mission, but about how excited we should be about that mission and about how urgently people of all ages need to hear the story we get to tell. Layperson Kim Wooden was recognized by the conference for her work in the Upper Sand Mountain Parish by, by being given the Harry Denman Evangelism Award. Kim shared a statistic that drives her to be bold in her work with the youngest of those among us, the children of the parish. The statistic is this, 87% of people who come to believe in Christ as their Lord and Savior do so by the time they reach the age of 21. If parents and caregivers of these children don't tell them about Jesus, who will? Bishop David Graves from the Alabama West Florida Conference shared a story from early in his ministry when he, a youth pastor, told one of his youth that yes, he could invite a couple of friends to get pizza with the youth group after the football game. And then he found himself with teenagers who had multiplied like loaves and fish. When 53 young Man, young people showed up at the invitation of that young man to ride to the Pizza Hut in the church's 15-passenger van. 39 39 of those went on to become baptized believers. And that young man ministers to people still today as a police officer who was there to listen and to help his co-workers and his community. Reverend Suzanne Katchke shared with us at breakfast one morning that when she was 30 years old and fresh from the waters of her baptism, she excitedly approached a Christian coworker wanting advice about what do we do next? She was told, oh, you'll calm down. Suzanne didn't want to calm down. And she became not only a pastor, but a church planter and is now the director of New and Renewing Churches for our conference. These people all know that following Jesus means not saying to him, hold your horses, Jesus. I said I'm coming. I'll be there when I'm done raising these kids, having this career, watching this TV show. Following God means no more saying to him, wait just a minute, God, I hear you, 
but I really have to get things just right first. Following the Spirit means no more saying, quit whispering in my ear, Spirit. I can do that tomorrow. There's always tomorrow. Jesus was hard on those would-be followers that day as he was on the road to Jerusalem. And it may have been for that very reason that he reacted as he did. Jesus was on a difficult, urgent journey. He set his face to respond to God's will, and he merely wanted those who said they wanted to follow him to have the same determination and urgency and single-mindedness. And Jesus was hard on those disciples who wanted to rain down fire on the unwelcoming Samaritan. He expected more from them. They had been with him. They should have known his heart, God's heart, better than that. But then again, these were the same men whose response to Jesus' very recent second prediction of his upcoming death Their response was to argue about which one of them was the greatest. That said, we're here today because they really got their acts together. The Holy Spirit filled them and they moved out into the world with power and urgency and excitement to tell the story of Jesus to everyone. No matter what reception they received, no matter their living conditions, No excuses, no delays. We are the church. We are still on that same mission to the world. If we look out into the world and find it lacking, if we look out into the world and our hearts are broken, if we look out into the world and think they need Jesus, we are the ones to do something about that. When we allow our own comfort, our own priorities, and our own timing to determine what we do and when we do it, we are compromising the call that God places on our lives. We are denying the gifts that God equips us with to answer that call, and worst of all, we are turning our backs on those who need us. They need what we have to offer, a helping hand, a healing touch, a hope that sustains Ours is a God of grace and mercy, of love and hope, of promise and forgiveness. This is what our world needs. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow's not promised. Today is the day. Seize it for God's glory. Our conference lay leader, Lisa Keys Matthews, invited us to try something in her address to the conference this week. I'm going to ask you all to do the same thing here this morning. I want you to look at someone here today. If you're not where you can look someone in the eyes, get there. Look this person in the eyes. Look them in the eye and say this to them. You are a beloved child of God. Hear that. Hear that and know this. 
These are not just words for people you find on a pew next to you in church. You have never looked into the eyes of someone God doesn't love. You will never look into the eyes of someone God doesn't love. But know this, there is quite possibly someone who will never hear of God's love for them if you don't look them in the eyes and tell them. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow is not promised. Today is the day. Seize it for all of those who need to hear of his love. May we be God's people who, equipped by the Holy Spirit, share Jesus' saving power enthusiastically, saying, hold on, world. We're coming now. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for making us evangelists. We thank you for giving us a story to tell. A story we can tell without quoting scripture and verse, but by simply telling how our lives have been transformed because we know you, because we have been loved by you, because you have shown us mercy and grace. Lord, we ask that you would help us go out this week and to look the people that we are around in the eyes that we would continue to develop relationships with them, that we would continue to help them, to hear them when they are hurting, that we would one day be able to boldly share your name with them, Lord, as the reason for our own hope and peace and joy. Help us to be enthusiastic today. Today, Lord. In your son's name we pray. Amen.